This is lesson four, Proverbs concerning child discipline. Ironically, and we'll get to this in a moment, there are seven Proverbs in the book of Proverbs concerning disciplining your children. Seven is a divine number, as they tell us, and so I don't think it's any coincidence that God in his infinite omnipotence and sovereignty has seven, the divine number, ways to discipline your children or things to say about child discipline. But before we get into those, I want to go over some review points here just to kind of sum up where we've come so far. Uh, So our first lesson, we covered the fact that God gives us our uh, children in order to, for us to train up a generation for him that will subdue the earth and have dominion. We had to kind of bust the American bubble, probably just the worldly secular bubble. There's nothing wrong with wanting children to enjoy children, but what God said from the very beginning is be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. He didn't say uh, be fruitful, multiply so you can have a, a princess. He didn't say be fruitful, multiply so you can have a little up and coming quarterback. He didn't say be fruitful, multiply so you can have somebody live vicariously through. He said, I give you children for my purpose. And uh, there's nothing wrong with having a little princess and having a little future quarterback. But when that's the whole reason we're having children anymore, we totally miss the will of God. We totally miss the divine plan of God for why he gives us children. It is God that breathes into those babies the breath of life, therefore they're his. And so we've got to keep in mind, even though we claim that our children, they have our last name, that's my little girl, ultimately our heart has to say this is God's child. And one day I will let them go. I will launch them into the kingdom for whatever God has in store for them. So the first lesson busted the modern selfish American bubble. Furthermore, and now this doesn't necessarily apply to us, but many folks have children now and somebody else raises them. They have children now and a nanny raises them. They have children now and a sister raises them. And they, they have children now and they don't see them but one hour a week. What's the point of having kids if you're not going to raise them? And so, uh, I don't know, just to throw that out there. I, I've seen, I've watched some of the TV shows where you have the nanny in the high-end apartment in New York raising the kids so that when mommy comes home, the kid doesn't even know who their mommy is. They're more attached to the nanny. Your child will be attached to whoever spends the most time with them. Amen. Our second lesson covered the fact that our children are to be our best disciples. We have to keep that in mind. In order for you to make disciples, you have to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, your children will be your disciple based on whatever you live for. Uh, you know, Luke here, he's a Superman f- uh, fan. So his, his little boy, Jude, probably going to be dressing in a lot of Superman. My little girl is a girl. She has Captain America stuff because I'm a Captain America kind of guy. And in that regard, we're discipling them according to our favorite sports team, hobby. If, 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 if Luke's a hunter, she's gonna, he, his little boy's going to be a hunter. If I'm a fisherman, my little girl's going to be a fisherman. If we fly kites and that's our hobby because we live in a windy city, our kids are going to grow up to fly kites. They're going to be discipled after us. Good, bad, or indifferent. So we have to make sure we also put Jesus Christ first and foremost in their lives. And thirdly, the heart, our third lesson covered, uh, the heart and purpose behind all discipline is not because you're mad and need a vent. The Bible warns you about spanking and disciplining your children out of anger. But the heart and purpose behind all discipline is to instill honor and submission into the heart of your child. The biggest takeaway you should have from that last lesson is that the reason we discipline and spank children is to teach them to submit their will to the will of someone greater than them. We have a whole generation of lawless people. 
and they, their heart says, you will not tell me what to do. That's why we also have the largest prison population we've ever had. That's why we have a whole generation of lawlessness. That's why we're making laws. The Congress is passing laws that we don't follow. Nobody wants to follow. That's why we even have the American expression, rules are made to be broken. That's rebellion and of the devil. So we spank children and we discipline children to teach them honor and to submit. You cannot be born again without first submitting your will to Jesus Christ. In fact, as we saw the book of Romans says, you have obeyed from the heart that gospel. So you teach your children to obey from the time they're six months old because one day a greater authority than you is gonna come along and say, give me your heart and your child's gonna have to know how to obey. Even you and I to this day have trouble obeying. You and I to this day have trouble submitting. You and I to this day have trouble honoring. And if we don't put a, a, a kibosh on that and tighten that in our life, it will only be exacerbated in our child's life and there'll be twofold more the child of hell than us. And that's why we can't take this selfish post-hippie philosophy of, well, I did the same thing. You ever heard a parent say that? Well, I did the same thing. Well, you should be slapped and your child should be spanked. A loving parent says, you know, I made those stupid mistakes and I will not let my children make the same mistakes. Let dumb stop at you. And that's what my wife and I pray. We, we got to get all the McMichael out of me. We got to get all the Thomas out of you because we're not carrying any bad McMichael or any bad Thomas into our children. It stops right here. It stops with me as a 37-year-old this year and a 38-year-old next year. We're drying it up because our children must go further than us. But if you're selfish, and everybody has to fight that, if you're selfish, you'll just say, eh, and you'll begin to cope with sin and allow it to fester and grow. You've got to despise your own sinfulness in you. And you've got to love your children more than yourself. So you put a stop on it in you so you don't pass it down. The Bible does not teach generational curses, but it does, and I, in a sense, teach generational stupidity, generational attitude, and the fact that your children are who you are. If you want to know the, the extreme sin in your life, look in your children. You're mature enough and old enough to constrain some of it. But if there's any, if we'll say it like this in terms of biology, if there's any single cell or any strain of sin left in your life, your child will have it. And because they don't have the discipline or the intellect that you do, they don't know how to contain it like you do. So it just grows wild in them. So if you want to see any foolishness, any goofiness in you, look in your children. You have passed on that strain of sin. You know how to harness it, though you've not really killed it. They don't know how to deal with it, wash it, harness it, so it just grows in them. So you're always spanking that thing. But if you would dry it up in you, kill it in you, it wouldn't be there to pass on to your children. All right? The Bible's very clear on the subject of correction. That's the heart of this message, correction. Expect it. Anybody in authority has the authority to correct those under them. However, there is an evident escalating progression in terms of the severity of the discipline. All right? We are to expect correction our entire life. But not all correction feels the same. There, there's, a, there's something as small as a, hey, stop that. Yes, sir. As opposed to the judge now sentences you to death. Both are correction, but there's a big difference between please stop that and execution, all right? The severity of the correction is directly related to the heart of the one being corrected. 
Correction follows an escalating trend, and this is the trend as it follows. Uh, and I, I pull this from the Bible and from the original words. You can see the escalation in it. There is the initial instruction, teaching and dispersing information. After instruction, you have correction. No, 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 honey. Two plus two is four, not five. Okay, okay. You get corrected enough times that it moves on to admonition. Admonition is, look, look, look. look. I've told you nine times now, two plus two is four, not five. Let's get this right. Admonition is a little bit stronger. If you just keep overriding the admonition and purposely rebel, you get a rebuke. Rebuke is, we know what a rebuke is. It's a lot more forceful with your mouth. There's a lot more anger behind it, which there is a righteous anger that every authority figure has the right to harness and use. Even Ecclesiastes says, if your ruler, if the spirit of your ruler be incensed against thee, hold your peace. Doesn't say he's wrong. It says you hold your peace for yielding pacifies great angers. And also the other proverb we've been quoting is the eyes of the king scatter evil. That lets you know the king has, he has demonstrated his anger before. He means business. He's not some passive pushover, but apparently that king, he has exhibited his anger and his wrath before so that in future tenses or future terms, he can just look and you know. Right now, our daughter is in that phase where I say, honey, if I have to ask you one more time, I'm gonna swatch you. And she'll sit there and look at you. And I just take one step, she obeys. My words, my words, but she knows I mean business. So if I have to take a step, she's instantly in obedience because she knows what's gonna come. That, that's because she knows daddy's gonna make good on his promise. Uh, as she grows up, she'll learn the look. And I think we've all been in a situation where somebody over us cut us a look and it just shut everything down. You, sometimes it just, you make you look down because you got the look. There, I say all that to say there is a place for anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. And in a leadership, things should make you angry. There is the anger of God. There is a wrath of God that is not sin. And there is a righteous indignation or a righteous anger, and you're allowed to have that. All right? Don't listen to this post-hippie psychology where everything's about love, 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 love. Love spanks, love disciplines, and love destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Finally, after rebuke, after the admonition and rebuke, and, and dis, there's a discipline. That discipline means somebody's going to be punished. Somebody's going to be disciplined in some kind of physical manner. So let me go through these, in, these definitions real quick as, before we move on. Instruction just means you receive instruction or teaching in a new manner. That's just, just your learning. Correction is you attempt to act on your instruction or your attempt to act on your instruction is tweaked. All right, that, that's close to what we were doing, honey, but let's, let's do it this way. If you've ever learned anything, I did judo jujitsu, you're instructed, this is how you throw, this is how you throw somebody, this is how you throw somebody, and then it gets tweaked. Now, now, now do this, now do this. And the whole time your heart wants to learn, your heart wants to do what's right, but you're just being corrected. You're not in trouble, you're just being tweaked. After that's admonition. The correction you received was not effective. You are admonished to do better. Admonishment is correction with a hint of warning. Get it right or we're going to sit you down. Get it right or you're not going to pass this test. Get it right or I'm going to talk to your father. Get it right or I'm going to write a letter home to your parents. Get it right or you're not on the squad this semester. There, admonition has that warning. You just that extra little motivation. 
Now, the difference is when somebody's being corrected and they want to do better, you don't really have to admonish them. Their heart already wants to do better. When somebody's heart doesn't want to do better, that's when you've got to start giving them warnings. You have to provoke their heart to want better. All of this constantly comes back to the heart. Rebuke. The admonition was not fruitful. A rebuke was met out to answer the stubborn heart. I mean, honestly, if you're corrected and admonished and you're still not getting any better, there's a stubborn heart there. Even the teacher knows the student who's doing his best and he just, his aptitude just doesn't grasp mathematics or it just doesn't have an aptitude that retains history. And that teacher's gonna have mercy as opposed to the student who has a great mental aptitude but just doesn't even try. You're not gonna have any mercy on that student because of the attitude. So with the stubborn heart, the more stubborn the heart is, the harsher the rebuke. And we've all experienced that and we've probably all dealt some of that out. And finally, discipline, the rebuke, the verbal rebuke did not work. It did not correct the heart. All of this is designed to correct the heart. All of this is designed to put something in the heart so the heart says, I gotta do better. I gotta pass this test. I've gotta obey. I've gotta honor. I've gotta submit. I've gotta get better at football or the coach is gonna be disappointed in me. All of this works to get the person's heart to line up with authority and to say the same thing in the heart that the authority figure is saying. We're gonna win this game or I'm not gonna have an attitude with my teacher or I'm gonna obey mom and dad. All of this works to get the heart to line up with leadership. Discipline, the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct disobedience. Punishment. When a rebuke fails to correct behavior, punishment is enacted. This can include corporal or physical punishment, i.e. or e.g. spanking. That's what that means. Punishment, when words aren't enough, Listen to my hand, because it gets people's attention. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. The Bible uses several terms in relation to parental discipline. Chastisement, correction, rebuke, train, discipline, reproof, and rod of correction. These are all used. These, as parents, these are our tools. This is what we use on our children. We use chastisement. We use correction, we rebuke, we train, we discipline, we reprove. And if we have to, we use the rod of correction. Not all discipline needs to be spanking. Sometimes people get a little overzealous with that rod. The old school understood that well. They were always being chased through the neighborhood and parents would say, I'll help you. Next time he runs, I'll catch him for you. I'll spank him for you. Back in the day, the police would spank your children for you. I've even heard recent stories of police saying, coming to a house for the 15th time and saying, ma'am, if you'd like, I'll spank your son for you. I've even heard stories of judges spanking children in the courtroom. We know teachers used to be able to spank. And I think in some good schools, they are still allowed to if you give them permission to. I remember growing up, you didn't want to go to Mr. Dr. Frazier's office because he had a paddle. That was the principle. And you always heard about the kid that got spanked because you thought, how messed up are you? The principal has to spank you? Man, you're a bad kid. And that wasn't called being judgmental. It was called being accurate. You're a bad kid if the principal has to spank you. Somebody's parents failed you if the principal has to spank you. 
The rest of us, you know, you, with kids, you have that sense of familiarity. Oh, I'll talk to mom because we're just too, too familiar. And I'll take a whipping too, but I ain't talking to the principal that way or the teacher because I don't want to be spanked by them. I've never experienced their spanking. I don't know how it's handed out. Rumor has it there's spikes on the paddle. <laughs> Rumor has it they chain you to a wall. And back in those days, that, they were, that was their legal right. That was what was proper. And if you talked that way, you deserved everything you got and you knew it and you didn't bother to call, you didn't threaten. I'm gonna call 911. I'm gonna call, now kids say, I'm gonna call DCS. That's when a parent should hand them the phone and say, please do. Call them. We'll let them give you to some meth addicted parents. You know, that's what our DCS does. You know, our DCS in Tennessee is under so much investigation. Do you know how many children have died in the custody of DCS in the last 15 years? DCS may be the single greatest killer of children in Tennessee. It's all gone all the way to the governor's office. <laughs> Things are messed up, all because the world and psychology are trying to undo the scriptures. We must allow God Almighty. Excuse me, let me finish up. Not all discipline needs to be spanking, but not all correction can be done verbally. Some parents are just a little overzealous with spanking. Some parents do way too much talking. There's a balance there. That's why I gave you the, the instruction, correction, admonition, rebuke, discipline, progressive chart. We must allow God Almighty through his word and by his Holy Spirit to help us as parents to know when and how to discipline our children. You know, if your child has special needs and maybe mentally handicapped, you don't spank a mentally handicapped child. They don't understand. There's, there's something that has to be done there differently than, say, a very bullheaded five-year-old boy who just likes to run around and break things. That child, his attention has to be gotten some other way. Uh, that brings me to my newest maxim I coined while writing this. Toddlers aren't diplomats. Therefore, you cannot reason with them psychologically or diplomatically, which I observe many parents trying to do. Children are not diplomats. You cannot sit down at the table and say, now my precious three-year-old, and now mommy would really appreciate if you would do this for me. What concessions are you willing to make? I want it now. Okay, let mommy get that for you. Some Americans are very convinced that their brilliant two-year-old is a diplomat. And therefore, we can sit down at a legal table and barter in exchange. More accurately, if we want to use political terms, two-year-olds are terrorists. And when we still had a good president, we used to say in this nation, we don't barter or negotiate with terrorists. They understand one rule at all, and that rule is preemptive strike. And we must keep that in mind. We do not negotiate with two-year-olds. We do not negotiate with three or four-year-olds. Now, the thing I also observe, my personal observations and opinion, everybody brags about how smart their children are until they get in trouble. And then the parent says, he doesn't know what he's doing. Whoa, 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 I thought you said your kid's the next Einstein. If he's the next Einstein, either he knows what he's doing or he's not. And if he doesn't know what he's doing, then quit bragging about how smart he is because that makes him stupid. Amen. And as I, my observations have been, uh, children learn to manipulate their parents starting at about six months. So be very mindful. If you're going to brag about how smart your kid is, keep your story straight. <laughs> Amen. All right. Toddlers aren't diplomats. 
That's my expression. Though the world is increasingly pro-psychology, as are most Christians, unfortunately, the condition of modern society is a testimony to the vanity of these techniques. We want to trust psychology, but all you have to do is look at the crumbling of society and realize that psychology is the mortar that has built the last 50 years. Is our society advancing or regressing? Regressing. Why? Psychology. They have good observations in psychology, but the application and their way about fixing mankind is totally broken and corrupt. As Christians, it is our mandate to stick with the Bible. The Bible very clearly advocates corporal punishment. That means spanking. Proverbs addresses child discipline and even corporal punishment seven times. So grandparents are just about useless when it comes to corporal punishment. Yes, they are. And that's all right because grandparents aren't parents. As one man said, grandparents are the reward for not killing your children as they were being raised. And so there's something that changes in a grandparent's heart when a grandchild is born and they lose all restraint. They lose all discipline. They lose all form of lawfulness. And all they can think of is spoiling. And then, uh, okay, son, quit being so difficult on my grandbaby. Dad, do you realize what a hypocrite you are, sir? If I had done one-tenth of that as a child, I would have been spanked for seven days and I'd have been starved for a month. (laughs) Yeah, well, that was you, son. This is my granddaughter. Go home. We'll see you at Christmas for an afternoon. No, it's just something twi- it tweaks inside a grandparent. And I've talked to new grandparents and they've told me, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't know what they were talking about until I got a grandbaby. And you're right, I'm a useless human being now. <laughs> so grandparents do not make good parents. They make great grandparents, but that just makes more work for the parents. So let us jump into our seven Proverbs of discipline. Proverb number one, Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hates his son. Doesn't say spoil. I once, I once was on a business trip driving to South Carolina. It was like 2 a.m. I got a late start driving to South Carolina. It was about a five-hour drive. And I was listening to talk radio. And they said, uh, it was just two folks, DJs, chatting it up. And they said, uh, anybody got any improperly quoted quotes out there? Why don't you call and tell us what the proper quote is? I said, I got one. So I called into a radio station and I got on the radio. (laughs) So I'm driving, listening to myself on the radio. They told me to turn it down. They said, all right, you're on the air. What's your name? I said, my name's Chris. Well, okay, you you got a misquote quotable for us? I said, I do. It's from the book of Proverbs. I said, well, what's the quote? I said, "He he that spares the rod spoils his child. They said, that's not accurate. I said, not according to the Bible. And they said, well, what's the proper quote? I said, the Bible says, he that spares the rod hates his child. And they said, whoa. So yeah, that's what the Bible says. Why do you think we misquote that? I said, I think we misquote it because we hate our children and because we're lazy, useless human beings. And I was quickly discarded and they went on to the next call. <laughs> I said, hello? 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 Oh, next caller. Wow, that was quick. That's my five seconds of fame. He that spares his rod, not, not, not spares the gummy bears, spares, you know, spares the movies. Another, can I get you another video? Can I get you more juice? Let me wait on you. He that spares his rod hates his son, but he that loves him chasteneth, corrects, disciplines him early, diligently, and often. 
Sparing the rod does not spoil the child. It indicates hatred. It indicates hatred. It's what the Bible says. That's not what the hippie psychologists say. It's what the Bible says. Love disciplines, but hate withholds discipline. Love disciplines, but hate withholds discipline. That newest, the newest thing I just read, which actually absolutely disgusts me, was that they said spanking, uh, and it could possibly cause speech developmental problems. I don't see that in my girl. I spank her. You never hear her talk so fast or so clear. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry, daddy. I'm sorry. I love you, sweetie. I'm sorry, daddy. Hold me. I hold daddy. I hold daddy. But she knew what she did to get the spanking. Uh, we're not talking anything brutal. We're talking nowadays it's just a little swat on the bottom and she's, she's instantly penitent, which is what Jesus Christ is looking for. We're not talking about leaving bruises or marks. We're talking about just a swat that startles them. Uh, there might be a time where they feel a little bit more than that. But children are sharp. Hate will ensure long-term corruption for the sake of short-term peace and ease. The reason we don't spank is because we we don't want the trouble of it. So go ahead and sow to long-term corruption and destruction for the sake of a little bit of short-term peace. Laziness and flesh always chooses short-term peace and sows destruction to the future. I'd rather have a little bit of torment, a little bit of calamity now to have peace in the long run. But we know how society is. We know how the flesh is. It wants instant gratification and ease now, ease now, ease now. Proverb number two, Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope and let not thy soul spare for his crying. So the King James would indicate, don't spare just because you hear him crying. If he's crying, it's working. In the NIV, it says, discipline your children for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party in their death. Wow, that's kind of brutal. That would indicate if you don't discipline your child, you're a contributor to their early death and demise. New Living Translation says, otherwise you will ruin their lives. So not spanking your children, not discipline, not, not, remember, not, it's not all spanking. Correction, instruction, admonishment, rebuke. Not doing that, that's all falls under the heading of discipline, will help ruin your child's life. Do you know, one of the most common, other than pornography, the other most common thing all inmates have in common is no father at home. I was almost like, uh, I want to say 99% of all inmates have been addicted to porn and 70 or 80% of all inmates had no father at home, no discipline. How come we never see those psychological studies? So no dad in pornography makes you just like a criminal. But you know, you can have a dad at home, but have no dad. Yeah. Amplified says, do not indulge your angry resentments by undue chastisements and set yourself to your child's ruin. So that comes back to, you can discipline out of anger. And sometimes you need to walk away and not spank them or yell at them out of anger, cool off, then come back as a cool, collected disciplinarian and say, this is not what we do. And because of that, you're not gonna get television tonight. And because of that, I'm gonna spank you on your bottom. And when daddy gets home, he's, I'm gonna tell him and he's gonna figure out what he wants to do with you. You have to instill a reverence and an honor for yourself as mom and dad. Right now, our society is telling us parents don't have a right. 
They're telling us that it takes a village to raise a child. One famous politician recently said the children belong to the government. That sounds like Hitler talking. That's where the demons are taking our nation. I even, I even right now as I talk about this, I, my, my heart wants to cringe at talking about spanking so much because our society has become so anti-spanking. And there's always that looming threat of DCS, which knows absolutely nothing about child protection. Yeah, yeah. All right. This verse teaches us that correction and discipline is how a parent provides hope for their child. You know, saving money is good for college, but it doesn't give your child a hope in the future. You can have a holy expectation or a hope. Hope just means expectation for your child's future when you faithfully and consistently discipline them. Or you can ruin their life by not disciplining them. To neglect discipline in any of its forms is to be a willing party to your child's death. That's what the Bible says. Proverbs number three, or the third proverb, Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Doesn't matter how much of an Einstein you think they are. Every child comes loaded full of foolishness through the sin nature. Amen. Beginning at about four, five, six months, you'll decide, you'll realize how rebellious your child really is. They'll tell you, I don't want to eat food and they'll spit it at you. Will you let a six month old beat you at the game of life? Who's in charge here, the six-month-old or the parent? No, honey, I'm educated. I understand you need to eat this cereal. So you're going to put it in your mouth and you're going to eat it. If you obey that, you will actually malnourish your child. Who's the loser now? Well, my, my baby doesn't like cereal. How do you know? He spits it out at me. Stop him. <gasps> I could never do that. Fine, then, then go to jail for malnourishing your child. Or let a four-year-old keep breastfeeding. That's creepy. If they can have a conversation, if they're old enough to tell you, I'm hungry, take your shirt off, it's time to stop breastfeeding. If we're having conversations about snack time and you're breastfeeding, we got issues. This society teaches us to cater to our children. I love what Pastor Okwoko taught me. Children are servants. We wanted to do some work around the church compound for him in Nigeria. He said, oh, that is child's work. Adults do not do that kind of work. That is what we have children for. Yes, sir. Great man of God. I thought I was being a servant. Oh, they are to serve us. <laughs> yes, sir. Now I feel like I'm the child being spanked. New Living Translation says, a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. Physical discipline. Physical. I'm surprised the New Living Translation even said physical because it's one of the more liberal hippie translations. But you can't escape the Hebrew. Physical discipline. I, I'm surprised at how many Christians choose psychology over the Bible. Christians, by definition, choose the Bible over everything. I would almost wonder if we need to begin to make up different gradations of Christians. I'm Christian light. I'm a one-calorie Christian uh, I'm a, I'm a watered-down Christian, or I'm a sold-out, Bible-believing, God-fearing, Bible-doing Christian. All you have to do is look at the condition of our kids today, and you can tell psychology has ruined our nation. Ask any of our teachers. The Bible teaches us that a child's heart is filled with foolishness. If a child is permitted to act and live according to foolishness, it will destroy their life. 
Therefore, a parent must discipline and instruct a child to resist foolishness and obey the law of God. Some things are in our children, not because we put it there, but because we didn't take it out. Not everything in your child is there because of you. But anything that remains in your child remains there because of you. Now, there's, there's things they learn from you and there's things the sin nature just puts in them. You see the difference? But who your child is, is your responsibility. Things that are you, you train them to be like that. We just shot a little video that we're gonna show this morning in service and I do this little facial thing in the video and my little girl watched it last night four or five times and about the third time she watched it, she started doing the same thing, watching me very diligently. Just wanting to be like daddy. Then after that, we were at the kitchen counter and we were watching something. We were streaming a church service last night at home and so I had my hands on the counter like this and so Lydia looked at me, so she did the same thing to watch the video just like daddy. That's not the sin nature, that's something she's learning from me. If I, there's nothing wrong with that, so we can leave that alone, it can stay there. But now there's other things that the sin nature puts in them. If you don't discipline it out, it stays and it's still your fault. What's in there when they're born is not your fault, but if it stays and it violates God's word, it is your fault because you're the parent. So whether you put it in there or whether you leave it in there, it's still your fault. So you have to get God's help in parenting your child. Proverb 4. Proverbs 23, 13, withhold not correction from the child. That's a commandment. Withhold not. For if thou beatest him with the rod, switch, belt, happy paddle, ping pong paddle, whatever your thing is, shouldn't have spikes on it like Dr. Frazier's perhaps was rumored to have. If you spank him, we'll say, we'll clean it up a little bit because beatest him with the rod sounds so mean. I'd rather just hug him and send him to hell. If you beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. So you mean the, the, the paddle is a life preserver? It's very much what the Bible teaches. Look at the New Living Translation. Don't fail to discipline your children. They won't die if you spank them. I like that version. Oh, I'm going to kill them if I... No, no, they won't die if you spank them. I like that. It kind of puts a different spin on it. won't kill them. Spanking your child won't kill them. As I like to point out, God is so brilliant. He put two little fatty ham hocks on the back end of your child. Inches of fat, bone, and muscle away from any vital organ. The closest vital organ is the lower colon, which ain't that vital. You know, I mean, there's nothing... It's the exit. And the Bible says that's where you spank. That's where we know to spank them because it stings, but there's no damage there. It's a little, two little, little pigs right there, little ham hocks. And they're, they're babies and children. There's a lot of cellulite there and it stings, but it doesn't do any damage. And spanking them there, the Bible says it won't kill them. But the Bible does promise not disciplining, not spanking will kill your child. It's a, it's a brilliant supernatural design of God. You spank on the butt, it puts wisdom in the head. Spank, spank, spank the little piggies and it puts wisdom in the heart. That's what the next proverb we're about to look at says. It takes a dumb psychologist to talk you out of the scriptures. It is a sin to withhold correction from your child. Correction is part of life. Anybody here gotten this far in life and never been corrected or even verbally spanked? Did it, did it kill you? Oh, no, you're still here. 
Some of you have been mistreated by bosses and you still go back to work. And it's okay. You're still here. We're making our children such soft. Oh, Lord, help us. Such soft excuses for a human being. We must all be acclimated to receiving it, correction, and even be taught to appreciate it. Every one of us, we need to be acclimated to receiving correction and even be taught to appreciate it. Your entire life, if you're going to go anywhere, you've got to be able to be corrected, trained, and disciplined. That's how you get promoted. That's how you get good at anything. Folks who don't like correction go nowhere in life. They never get better anything. They never learn any new skills. They always stay the same. If we want our children to go further than us, we've got to teach them corrections part of life, a verbal reprimand on the bot from the boss, the professor, the teacher, that's just part of it. It makes you better. And we have to instill in our children a desire to want to please leadership, not follow them blindly. We understand that. But the Bible teaches us in Romans 13, it's a good thing to submit to leadership and have the blessing of them on our life. The only other option Romans 13 gives us is rebellion and the sword. A lot of parents, if they could see it this way, by not disciplining their children, they're teaching them to choose hell, death, and destruction. They're teaching them how to curse their own life. Only pride detests correction. Some correction must be physical. The New Living Translation reveals that your child won't die if you spank them. Now, we're not talking about child abuse. We're not talking about child abandonment. We're not talking about beating them with a cat of nine tails. We're talking about spanking them. The greatest generation was brought up being spanked. They went and gladly laid down their life for multiple nations. And that's the last time anybody in America has been called great. They didn't call the Korean War generation the greatest generation, the frozen chosen as they were called from the chosen peninsula. They didn't call the Vietnam era the greatest generation. They didn't call the Persian Gulf or any of the 80s actions at President Reagan. We've never been called great since the greatest generation because we've never exemplified such selflessness since that generation. And you know, every one of those boys was spanked within an inch of their life growing up on farms. And they didn't have speech impediments. They didn't have ADHD. They didn't have any learning disabilities. They made something out of their lives. And once they came back, they went back to life. They went back to society and they had children called the baby boom generation. You know why? Because they were happy to get home and have sex and have kids. And a whole generation boomed. That generation went to hell quick because of the hippie revival and all the free love and lawlessness that took over the earth. Proverb number five, Proverbs 23, 14. Thou shalt beatest him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Wow. So spanking will actually... It's a form of salvation. It's a salvation technique. I'm old school. I believe every bit of the Bible. I believe it all literally. New English translation says, if you strike him with the rod, you will deliver him from death. So spanking children delivers their soul from hell and delivers them from death. The fifth proverb about child discipline follows right after verse 13. Spanking will not kill your child. Instead, it saves their soul from hell. As the New English translation says, spanking saves lives. Remember, the heart behind correction and discipline is to teach children to submit their will to someone greater than them. We're not talking about child abuse here, so don't run off and say that I promote child abuse. Not at all. I'm talking about what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say abuse your children. It says correct them. The rod of correction, not the rod of anger, not the rod of wrath, not the rod of a lack of self-control, not the rod of a drunkard, 
but a rod of correction. Nuns have been spanking wrists for years. Yeah. We're not talking about child abuse. We're talking about biblical discipline. You cannot be born again without submitting your life and will to Jesus Christ. That's how correction saves children from hell. It teaches them to submit to authority, which all comes from God Almighty. Proverb number six, Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Well, that's not what psychologists tell us. The, the psychologist would tell us the rod and reproof give speech impediments. The rod and reproof give anger issues. The rod and reproof give, uh, give child hatred. It's not what God says. So I'm sorry, I'm gonna choose God over some shrink whose brain's been shrunk. Studying the philosophies of demonized sex fiends called psychologists. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. No mother wants to grow up dreading her children. Shamed, ashamed of her children. In New English translation says, a rod and reproof impart wisdom. Impart. Sometimes we want a prayer line for impartation. It says here, correction, even as an adult, correction will impart wisdom. Because you'll say, hey, I'm going to do that again. I got chewed out over that. Probably the fastest growth I've ever had as an adult was under my Muslim boss who would daily chastise and verbally spank me. And you've never seen a 23-year-old's heart, actually it's 25 when I started working for him, a 25-year-old's heart say, I ain't doing that again. I got to get that right. I am tired of being chewed every day on the phone. I'm tired of being threatened to be fired every week. It imparts wisdom because your heart says, I don't want to get in trouble. I am obviously doing something that my authority doesn't like. And I'm not going to take some hippie stoner ghetto attitude that says, oh, you tell me what to do. You're my boss. You did me a favor by giving me a job and a raise. I owe it to you to give you my best. And if what I have is not my best, I'll get better. It imparts wisdom. Wisdom gets better. Hippie stonyism, they haven't even changed their clothes in 60 years. They still smell like they did 60 years ago. Patchouli and B.O. But a child who is unrestrained brings shame to his mother. Any mother say amen to that? And just, just so you know, a kid on a leash isn't restraint. That doesn't classify as restraint. That's a physical restraint. God's more interested in a restraint in here. Because if the leash is cut, you see what what's really in their heart. No, a well-disciplined child is like the Willette kids. They can stand up against a wall. They're not restrained, except in their heart. Kid on a leash, that's not restraint. Because if you cut that leash, they're gone. <laughs> I got to hurry up here. To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Somehow, supernaturally, a spanking and a rebuking impart wisdom. Not all wisdom is learned through books. Some wisdom must be learned through discipline. Unrestrained children are a shame and a disgrace to their mother. We don't ever want to have a disgraced testimony. Proverb number seven, Proverbs 29, 17, correct your son and he shall give thee rest. Yes, he shall give delight unto your soul. One translation says he'll bring you happiness. One of the great payoffs the Bible promises concerning child discipline is rest and delight. I've actually talked to folks or known parents who once they started having children, they couldn't go out to dinner for three or four years. I said, why not? Our children are just so unruly. That's your fault. You ought to be able to take your child out to dinner the day after they're born. And you begin to teach them how to behave in public because you're teaching them how to behave in private. And we behave just about the same in public as we are in private. 
We don't sit and do that at the table. We don't throw food at the table. If you're not able to take your children out in public as a two and three-year-old, you're telling off on yourself. But when you discipline your children, they bring you rest and happiness. You don't have to be embarrassed in public. You don't have to be ashamed in public. Now, there's every, even the best, most disciplined kids are going to throw something, and you have to take them to the restroom in Walmart because some redneck who's smoking meth is going to call DCS on you if you spank your child there in the frozen food aisle. It's amazing they get to keep their kids, but a good Christian parent who swats his kid on the butt gets DCS called on them. It's the hypocrisy and the demonization of our nation. But so even the best of kids, they're going to throw a temper every once in a while. That's just part of the flesh nature. But if you stay on it, it won't take long and they'll know how to behave. They, you can train a child to hang on to the side of that buggy the whole time. You let go of that thing, I swear you're going to be, you can hang on to that. Yes, mommy. And when they behave like that, you'll buy them anything they want because you're so proud of them. Even our two-year-old, she, when she does something right, she says this now, mommy proud? A two-year-old understands the concept of making mommy and daddy happy and wants to? Yeah, yeah. This verse paints a very clear picture. Discipline brings rest, quietness, or the, I should say these verses paint a very clear picture. Discipline brings rest, quietness, and delight to your soul as a parent. But neglecting brings shame, disgrace, and even death. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth, and scourges, spanks, whips every son whom he receives. The very, very root word for scourge means to bring contact. The very, very root word for scourge means it's through the idea of connecting and bringing an impact. So if the very love, the very nature of God says, I love you so much, son, I'm gonna spank you. I'm gonna contact your soul. What are we to do anything less? And to follow the love of God to help us to scourge, correct, chastise, chasten, help our children. The nature and love of God compels him to rebuke and spank his children. Let us be like our father in heaven. In fact, that verse there in Hebrews, it goes on to say, but if you don't receive correction, then are ye bastards, illegitimate, fatherless. Fathers, our job is to spank our children, to correct them, to discipline them. And it should always follow up. You should never do it out of anger. If you can't hug your child after you do have to physically contact their bottom, something's not right with you. You shouldn't have ever touched them in the first place. But you ought to have this control in your heart that says, I love you. And there is an anger in me, but it's a holy anger. So I'm going to spank you. And then when we're done, I'm going to love you. You're going to apologize to me. We're going to pray with Jesus to ask him to forgive you for your rebellion. And then I'm going to hold you. And if we're, if we're done, then we're done. Let's go get some ice cream. But uh, where a lot of parents miss it in spanking their children is they do it out of anger. They do it out of resentment. And when they're done spanking, their heart still isn't happy with their child. They give them the stonewall. God doesn't do that to us. When the Lord corrects us and spanks us, whether with his spirit or the word, and we say, Father, I, I'm sorry, please forgive me, then it's just as though it never happened. And if your heart can't do that, then your heart wasn't proper when it spanked or corrected or rebuked in the first place. The whole purpose behind spanking and correction and discipline is to teach your child right from wrong and to teach them to cho choose submission and honor. 
And once they've learned that lesson, then it should be just as though it never happened. Go get ice cream, go play the ball, go throw the football, go play dolls, go have tea party, go watch a video or something. But if after you're done spanking, you can't even be around your child, something's wrong in your heart. Amen? Can we see that? Awesome. Father, we thank you for the Sunday school this morning. I know this is controversial only to the heathen. This is offensive only to those that don't know your word or your heart or nature. But to the rest of us that walk with you, Father, this is just a basic course and a refresher with things that help us tweak as we go. Bless us in our parenting. Help us to raise up a generation of children that dominate the earth, take submission and authority over it, and don't go to hell. Father, we thank you for your word and the entrance of it. In Jesus' name, amen.